This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We're here with Wharton finance professor Jeremy Siegel to talk about the Brexit, the UK voting to leave the European Union and what it means for markets. Thank you for joining us today, Jeremy. I'm happy to be here. Uh, after the vote, the vote was taken Thursday, but the announcement was made Friday last week, uh, there was the biggest one-day loss in global equities in history as far as the dollar amount is concerned. It was over $2 trillion. I know there were another bigger- Another trillion yesterday. Another trillion. So that was the biggest two-day dollar loss in history, $3 trillion. <laughs> Not the biggest percentage loss, but Oh, the by no dollar, means. By no, means. no, no, no. So- uh, Today, it looks like markets are recovering a little bit. The, the Dow Jones, at least in, in the U.S. now, and, and the S&P 500 are both up about 1%. And Europe 1%. is up actually quite, quite this, nice. This morning. Okay. So, what, uh, so I guess now it looks like perhaps the dust has settled a little bit, at least for the moment. Um, what are the main things, uh, what are the main takeaways from all of this, and what should people be thinking about as we go forward? It looks like it didn't turn into a rout or a panic, at least so no, far. No, and there was really no disruptive trading, and the central bank stood ready in case there was, but foreign exchange trading, all trading uh, was uh, pretty orderly. Uh, no real gaps. Liquidity was good. Uh, we've had a, a big price adjustment. Um, uh, I, I, the markets react in the short run to uncertainty, and that's what this bred, a tremendous amount of uncertainty. So we have to stand back and saying, is, is that, are, the, are the fears justified? Um, uh, and, um, and, and, you know, certainly we, 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 we should talk about that. So let's talk about yeah. that because it looks for the moment like things have, have stabilized, but, you know, anything could change yeah. at any moment. So, so what are – Let's talk about that. What are the key things? Well, first of all, on these, you know, this is my opinion, but having studied these for many, many years, um, one of the big fears, not the only one, but one of the big fears is that this will spread to other countries. We're hearing about Frexit and Grexit and all, I mean, all sorts of things like that. Uh, let me tell you my opinion that there will be no other major country that will leave and Absolutely, there will be no country in the eurozone that will leave. Um, they're getting out of the, uh, the eurozone is a whole order of magnitude more difficult than just leaving the EU once you have your own currency. And we can look at the Greek situation, which the voters eventually, you know, were trying to give the thumbs to, to Germany. And they wanted out of every agreement, but they did not want out of the euro. And then as a result, the, the, the Germans and the Europeans had a stranglehold over them, and there was nothing really they could do. Uh, so my feeling is is that this is not going to spread. And, and it's, it's not even clear. I mean, there was a lot of talk about the anti-EU forces. We already had an election over the weekend, and, you know, in Spain, where actually the ruling party uh, did better than expected. Mm -hmm. um, actually, after seeing what had happened, there may be some pause on the part of many Europeans. Is this the direction we want to go? But nonetheless, uh, even if those parties do gain strength, I do not believe uh, at all uh, mm -hmm. that there'll be uh, any other country 
of any significance. I'm not talking about tiny, tiny countries here mm-hmm. or there, but of any significance that will leave the euro. So this is something that I think is extremely unique uh, to the to the UK. And one of the main reasons for that is the difficulty that they would have in introducing their own currency. And their own currency. And the public does not want the risk mm-hmm. of going to a currency. Because the euro, even though it certainly has been hit as a result of this, is one of the world's strongest currencies. I mean, it's maintained a lot of strength. And any country that goes on its own is going to have to deal with, ooh, you know, you're going to be discounted. They're going to be given their own currency at a discount to the euro, and no one wants their bank again. That, that was basically why mm-hmm. the Greeks couldn't do anything mm-hmm. with the banks. I mean, they would, I think, would have been better off going back to the drachma, uh, mm-hmm. honestly, but uh, mm-hmm. no one wanted to give up the, the euro. And um, the first level of fallout you're suggesting seems to be that people are saying what's happening in the UK is a bit chaotic because there doesn't seem to have been much planning. I mean, I think that The Economist had a headline, something about there's no there's no captain on the ship in <laughs> yeah. the storm. Well, and, you know, Cameron resigned. We not, right. don't know who's going to... Who's going to take mm-hmm. over? There seems to be a lot of regret. People now say mm-hmm. if the vote was taken today, that actually uh-huh. the remains would right. would win. I think one of the, I don't think there will be another vote. They've said no. They're, they're, this is the vote, and I, I think that they will start negotiating an exit. I think, you know, the the, the interesting thing is uh, is Scotland. I mean. Um, that with an exit, Scotland will have another referendum, and this time they could vote. So we really could uh, – I mean that's a live possibility <laughs> see the breakup of, of the UK um, uh, more than the breakup of yeah. the UE as a result of, of, of this vote. Let's talk about uh, the economies. What is likely to happen to – in the UK and in Europe over the coming months? Is this – likely to lead to a recession for one or both of them? Uh, I don't think for for Europe. Uh, I think for uh, the UK, the, uh, they're, they're saying the probabilities are certainly higher. Uh, I mean, there's been a big hit on equity values, uncertainty. The, the question is, will a lot of people put off investment as a result? Oh, my God, I don't know where, I mean, you know, you, know, we don't, you don't want to invest in the future when the future is uncertain. That's, that would be the, the major source. Actually, with the pound going down so much, they're going to probably have a tourist boom. <laughs> they're, they're actually going to do probably better for their exports uh, because their costs have been lowered. So from that point of view, it's very good. What, what, the, what the big uncertainty is, is how much will investment go down, people putting off decisions to put uh, you know, real capital expenditures uh, into uh, the UK until the situation gets uh, clarified very much. Actually, believe it or not, I think they will avoid a recession, but certainly they're, they're going to take a growth uh, hit as a result. So I guess if uh, <laughs> there's sort of the short term and then the, the more medium term, long term effects, uh, but uh, if, if, if Britain in, in the end, you know, had these these positive effects that you're talking about, uh, that could actually start well, others to say that. Well, the euro yeah. did go down too relative to the yeah. dollar, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and, and Draghi. You know, was a little bit concerned. You know, one of the the purposes of the quantitative easing that Draghi introduced nearly two years ago was to bring the euro down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been my position for many years, and I've I've voiced it in columns 
that uh, the euro at 140, 135 and 40 was was inconsistent with a, with a uh, economic recovery in Europe, and they would have to bring it down. And Draghi then decided, yeah, we're going to have to bring it down. Mm-hmm. And remember, they brought it all the way down. My, my, he, I, I think he would prefer it between one dollar and one ten, and actually closer to a dollar. And as you know, before the Brexit vote, it actually had gone up to one fifteen, one sixteen, which mm-hmm. is a little higher than he wanted because mm-hmm. they need that export led recovery and there were actually some signs of a recovery Europe was looking better mm-hmm. before this Brexit vote now the the Brexit vote of course depressed the pound the most but secondarily depressed the euro uh, the down to about that 110 we'll mm-hmm. see how it plays out but that must please Draghi but he wouldn't mind bringing it down a, a little bit more but Europe certainly it, it's it's that would be part of a, a, a policy separate from Brexit if Draghi wants to uh, bring that uh, down more. I don't think the fall in the euro by just 2 or 3 4% is going to be a, a significant li- lift to their exports from the Brexit alone. Well, let's talk about the effects of all of this on the U.S. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things people started talking about, of course, was that the Fed is highly unlikely to yeah. – have any interest rate increase this year? Before Brexit, there was you know talk that maybe one to two increases Correct. were were uh, possible, maybe even likely. So uh, you agree then that uh, that that is well, I'm not going to agree that there's. It's not a slam dunk that there will be none. I mean, certainly, if we look at the Fed funds futures market, it has priced out any increases this year, but. I, I'm not – and certainly there won't be any increase in July. I mean the next one and probably not in September. But I would not rule out December. I mean if things normalize again and people say, wow, you know, this did not cause a domino effect that's going to really threaten world economic growth, you have to look back at what kind of growth we're going to have in the United States. I mean unemployment continues to move down. There's you no know, 4.7% last one. The Fed basically said 4.849 was the lowest they're going to go. I would not rule it out. I think uh-huh. that's that's premature. Now, cr- clearly, if things get worse in Europe and everything else, then obviously uh-huh. it's less likely. But uh, I, I would not rule out uh, an increase uh, later this year. Certainly not July. September is a low probability. Well, we have a couple more labor very, uh, reports. But December, and that will be after the presidential election, so they won't be accused of trying to manipulate the election, I think is, is on the table. Is, in general, though, the low interest environment, not, not that we can't kick up a half a point or a quarter point a couple times, but in general, the low interest rate environment in the U.S., is this the new normal? Yeah. Is this where we're going to be f- in the foreseeable future, you yeah. know, two, three, five years out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, and, and I've been stressing this for a while, um, it was actually Bill Gross to two or three years ago introduced uh, the concept of the new neutral where he's saying the Fed funds rate's not rising to 4%, it's rising to 2 at most. Um, he thinks interest rates are permanently lower for the next 5 to 10 years, and I agree um, and in fact, you see the Fed finally, when their long run dot plot come, come, is coming out, it keeps on moving down, down, down. Um, I, I do, I do want to also mention, you know, following up a little further on your previous question about what the effect could be in the U.S. Uh, certainly, a stronger dollar is uh, going to hurt our exporters. We already know it's hurt exporters over the the past year. 
uh, we've generally let Japan and Europe devalue um, to help their economies and absorbing uh, been absorbing those shocks. Uh, so if 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 this does lead to permanently higher dollar, that that is that's going to be hard for our exporters, but great for our consumers <laughs> and importers and keeping mm-hmm. inflation down. And that, of course, will mean the Fed could be on hold for a long, long time. But uh, again. Uh, it depends. Japan, particularly, right after the vote. I mean, I saw the yen going to ninety nine and and uh, you know settled around one hundred two, one hundred three. But that's still much lower than either Shinzo Abe or, or Kuroda, the head of the Japanese Central Bank, can can tolerate the the, the, the yen. None of his uh, economic plans really can be realized at a hundred, a hundred and two. So I, in fact, Shinze Abe instructed Kuroda to, uh, you know, already to offset any increased flows. There's this knee-jerk reaction whenever there's an increase in risk around the world. People go to the Japanese yen, and that actually comes more from history. Is the fact that many. Uh, international investors and speculators would finance through the yen because it's the world's cheapest currency. And whenever there would be a risk-off position, they would repay their loans, and therefore that would, they would buy yens to do that and, and cause the yen to rise. Um, so, uh, you know, you saw that big spike in the yen right after the Brexit vote. So um, I guess uh, some people are feeling better today because there seems to be, uh, you know, the, the, the drop seems to have halted, right? Correct. And, there, and there's a little bit of, of, of a buyback. Uh, but there's there's uh, obviously things are still fragile. There's still dangers out there. One one you know, crack, I guess, in the facade might be uh, in Italy, where uh, of course uh, banks in in Europe in general have been seen as a sort of on the weak side, and then all the new rules are forcing them to uh, increase their their holdings, uh, their reserves. But in Italy, in particular, banks were seen as being very very fragile, and this seems to have pushed at least some of them over the edge. And now there's talk this morning about a $40 billion bailout there. So the question is, I guess, is this the kind of thing that has some danger of sliding out of control and becoming more systemic? Well, again, uh, Draghi has faced the bank problem. I mean, the big ones were, you know, two or three years ago. Um, and it wasn't – there was a Spanish banks too. Uh, it was not just the Italian banks. Uh, many of them have been – they – they haven't recapitalized um, the way U.S. U.S. really has a much safer, better cushion. They never really recapitalized. This is – it's exposing it. Obviously, Britain leaving in and of itself doesn't have that much of an effect unless the Italian banks made big loans to the U.K. And I, I don't know enough about their balance sheet to say that uh, or not. But one, one thing – that Draghi is completely committed to not letting uh, a European banking situation turn into a a, a major crisis. Um, and he's already prevented two of them in the first Greek crisis and then the Spanish crisis after that. And he's willing to, to go all out on whatever is needed to do that. So what whatever we find, if a few banks have overextended in an area which is now very, very weak um, – uh, certainly, it's not a good situation, but uh, Draghi and the ECB is committed to make sure that that doesn't snowball into a general crisis. So they changed their rules a couple years back 
to make it make them sort of officially the lender of last resort. Yes, basically they they have become the lender. You know, Draghi has been educated into the same sort of central banking motif that uh, Bernanke was um, uh, and uh, what certain Mervyn King was as former governor of and Mark Carney, current governor of the Bank of England, mm-hmm. is that uh, lender of last resort is 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 critical. It was critical. Obviously, during our financial crisis to prevent uh, the recession from ballooning into a Great Depression again, and uh, he uh, is is fully committed to that. One other thing on Italy, though, there, there's uh, I guess throughout the EU, there's the, the a new rule that talks about bail-ins for banks. Can you just mm. talk about that? What is being yeah bail-ins? So you know we're talking about bail-out. Bail-in means we're not going to protect you a hundred percent now. Uh, equity holders can, you know, they basically don't get bailed out really very much. But who does get bailed out uh, often are bondholders or depositors. Mm-hmm. So saying bail in means uh, you're not going to get 100 percent bailed out. We're going to put you into the mix also. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw that with Cyprus. When the Cyprus banks went under, the EU actually forced the depositors and bondholders to take some of the losses. Mm-hmm. My feeling is, and again, I don't know all the particulars about this uh, Italian bank, unless there were loans that were made uh, illegally or very inappropriately, those may be bailed in and not bailed out. But in general, Draghi uh, will – is is committed to certainly all the depositors and all – the bondholders, if if they are legitimate, and none of the the loans were made in in uh, in bad faith. Okay, so I was going to say, if 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 you have money in an Italian bank and it starts to look shaky, and now suddenly you realize you're subject to bail-in provisions, you're going to be a little bit quicker about taking it out. I uh, think. You certainly, and that could cause the runs. And as I said, the only case was Cyprus, and that's because there were a huge amount of illegal loans, often mm-hmm. financed from Russia, mm-hmm. that were placed in the bank, and the EU says no way. On that, but that was a very unique and particular situation. I don't think it is going to apply to the major EU members. What else should we be thinking about or talking about when it comes to the whole Brexit thing and where things are likely to head for the global economy, for the U.S., for Europe? Well, since I don't believe this is going to spread in any meaningful way, and I certainly admit the uncertainty that's there, I, I think, honestly, if you were a longer term investor, you are able to get um, European stocks now selling around 12 price earnings ratio, which is an extremely good uh, uh, valuation in low interest rate environments. Obviously, you're going to be taking on some risk, but we all know through history, it is when the risk is the highest that the rewards have been the greatest. And uh, I think really, uh, if you have uh, some room in your portfolio and you're thinking of it, uh, the European stocks have been beaten down a lot. Um, I, I think that they will be rewarding in a three- to five-year, uh, hence, portfolio. And uh, I have to ask you, where do you think <laughs> U.S. stocks will be at the end of this year? Well, I, I, earnings need to increase. Uh, that's been the major problem. We had a stall out in earnings certainly last year, uh, this first half. Um, we're, we're not going to get much of a rise in the stock market unless we get the second half earnings uh, doing better. Um, and it may take several months for us to see th- clear. If they do improve as many expect, I do think we can see the market 10 12% higher uh, by year end. Thanks very much for joining us. Happy Appreciate to be it. here. 
For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.